Viewer's Capabilities. Welcome to Now Playing's In the Name of the King retrospective series. Our kingdom, our very existence is threatened from without. You have been brought here as the prophecy has decreed. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Why do the gods fail me? Why? Hosted by Arnie. He was loved by all. Until? Until the Dark Ones rose. Justin. He's not known for his hasty opinions. And Stuart. He must be the warrior they all talk about. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. You're very, very naughty. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. All right, let's get to it. Today we're discussing, in the name of the King 3, The Last Mission. Woohoo! Starring Dominic Purcell and nobody else whose name I can pronounce. <laughs> and the country of Bulgaria thanks you for not trying. Directed by Uva Boll. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but you just, you just say that and I'm in fucking tears. <laughs> I mean, this is the now blank co-host who is in tears because I had to watch The Last Mission. Arnie. And Stuart. And this is Justin. Financial ruin. It's in the air. It permeates everything. Let's start with Gas Powered Games. The company that made Dungeon Siege goes out of business in 2013. Complete failure. I don't really know much about it. They had one other game that sounded like a hit, Age of Empires. They had worked on something like that. They worked on Age of Empires Online. They were one of many teams. That's a Microsoft-owned game. Okay, all right. So I'm like, that's too big to fail. Like, how did they fail if they had that? But they were just patching some of the code. Yeah, they, they were supposed to take over the game, and they were going to use the engine for other stuff, but... They also had a failed crowdsourcing to try to make a new game. Yeah, they were going to do another dungeon crawler called Wild Man. And uh, like a month into the campaign, everyone got fired and the campaign just... I don't know where that money went to, but yes. My question is, is Uva responsible in any way? Did people stop playing Dungeon Siege because of that crappy-ass movie with Jason Statham in 2007? No, the studio had a series of poor choices, and I didn't play all their games. I played Dungeon Siege, but I watched a documentary or really, it was a really well-done YouTube video. I dare say it was like a behind-the-music of the game studio, and it's like every single game they put out ended with the head of gas-powered games going, well, yes, there were some problems, and we wish we'd known, and we wouldn't have spent the time doing this if we'd known that that wouldn't work. And every single post-mortem of every game they put out ended with apologies from the studio. Oh, wow. So, and the fact that they didn't even do part three themselves, and the thing with Wild Man, what is that is everybody wanted them to just do a proper Dungeon Siege sequel. They didn't want Wild Man. But again, my question is, was Dungeon Siege as a name ruined? Because my sense is maybe part three was unpopular, but it didn't suck the way that these movies are sucking. I wouldn't I, want to play anything that was involved in what we're here to talk about today. I don't think these movies have the popularity to destroy a game franchise that was successful. <laughs> touche, touche. I think you might be right about that. And what the head of Gas Powered Games did say was it was just an honor to see ideas they came up with up on the big screen. They didn't <laughs> like the movie. No. They weren't happy with what was done with it. But the thought of something they created in their game studio okay. being made into a $60 million feature sure. was awe-inspiring to them and like a high point that it happened, but nobody was happy with the movie. And yeah, I didn't know that there were sequels to this movie. I, I didn't know in 2011 when somebody took a dump and let out in The Name of the King 2 or in 2014 where somebody put their head in a bowl and puked up in The Name of the King 3. Well, here's the joke. Because, yeah, exactly. In The Name of the King 2, no one knows why you'd make the sequel, but you did. And it had Dolph. <laughs> And it was awful, and everyone ran away. Why on earth are you going back to conclude this trilogy of shit? And here's the great answer. Uva Bull wanted to destroy Wall Street. 
The plan was... To make everybody lose their money? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Hold on to your hats. He was very upset about the bailout of 2008 and was determined to share the truth of it, his truth, in a movie that he wrote and directed that I saw called Assault on Wall Street. But in order to pay for that film, he needed a cash cow, and that's in the name of the King 3. He made this movie (laughs) to get the seed money to take down Wall Street in the movie he really wanted to make. When you call the In the Name of the King franchise a cash cow, (laughs) I picture like a Simpsons cow that's emaciated, Mm. and you see the ribs, and the udder is wrinkled and barren so you can't get milk nor meat out yeah, of this cash right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can't imagine what the yeah what this cow looks like at this point and what would come out of it that people would want to consume you know a listener gave me a gift years ago when we did a movie exchange a bad movie exchange and believe it or not I just watched it it's been like nine years, mm. but I just watched it like three days ago. Okay. It's Abbott and Costello in Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh, like the real Abbott and Costello? Yes, yes. Well, it can't be that bad. It's a classic. No, but the whole thing is Abbott has this emaciated cow that he has to take to a butcher, and the butcher won't even give him money for it. He'll give him magic beans. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is what Bowl has in 2013 to get money. Again, he is blaming piracy. He's blaming the bailout. He's blaming everyone but himself for the fact that he can't get money the way that any other film producer could get money in 2013. And so, yeah, I had to know. I had to go. It's available on Amazon Prime for free. All it will cost you is your soul. You can sit through it. It's called The Age of Greed or Assault on Wall Street. His thoughtful analysis It starts in 2008. It's about a cop who has this beautiful wife who both has brain tumors and wants to have a child. And so they need a lot of money and they're putting it all on credit card. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) This isn't a documentary? No, 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 no. He wrote a story (laughs) that's going to dramatize the pain that people went through. He doesn't need to dramatize it. He inflicts it. (laughs) You're telling me, boy. Yes, she wants to have a child with brain tumors, and that costs a lot of money. No, with she has brain tumors and wants to have a baby. She doesn't want to have a baby with brain tumors. <laughs> right. It's not the Uva Bowl story. <laughs> At any rate, you can best believe that the greedy motherfuckers that control the stocks that the cop put all his money in, when he tries to go and cash them in, they're worthless. And so naturally, it's an Uva Bowl film. What's his only recourse? Get a gun go around and shoot these brokers in bloody fashion and call it Assault on Wall Street. And this art movie will be funded by the movie we're here to talk about today. It will star the same actor. The reason why you might be wondering why Dominic Purcell has taken over for Dolph Lundgren, who took over for Jason Statham, is that Dominic Purcell is the unfortunate man. I think it might have been a Statham joke. Just to put it out there, we've covered Dominic Purcell in exactly one movie. And I hate him in it. He plays <laughs> Drake in Blade Three Trinity, a movie I actually like, but will never... You know, I feel embarrassed watching the scene where he goes into the Hot Topic and destroys all the Dracula stuff because he, he's Dracula, but because it's the 21st century, he's Drake. Yeah. Oh my God, he's awful. And I know every time we talk about Dominic Purcell, you're like, prison break. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to see this fucker again. <laughs> Agreed on that. Yeah, he wasn't even the guy that people liked on prison break. He was the ugly brother that was in prison that the other one had to go and get tattooed to get the map to get him out. And whatever the hell happened in season three, four, whatever, stop watching. But the point is, this guy's heyday was in the early 2000s. And in 2010, he was stuck playing, well, he looks like it. Heavies, Villains, henchmen. He looks like a wannabe Vinnie Jones. Yeah, uh, yeah, just really thuggish looking. And he appeared in this movie called Killer Elite with Jason Statham as the star. So you gotta wonder, did Purcell piss him off? Did he like blow a line or eat from Statham's like private food stash? And Statham's like, I'm gonna get that fucker good. I'm gonna tell him to go work with Uva on three films. He worked on three fucking Uva Bowl films in a row, including Assault on Wall Street. 
and then some presidential assassination flick called Suddenly. And then this was the big paycheck film, You Get to Be the King and In the Name of the King 3. Maybe those two got along. Maybe they're like, yeah, fuck them Wall Street guys. (laughs) Well, here's what I am here to say. I am here to defend, probably an unpopular opinion, Dominic Purcell's performance. I believe that there's probably nothing kind to say about this movie, but I'm not going to blame the fact that he is pissy and sulking and every shot of this film because in the behind the scenes featurette on the blu-ray he looks exactly the same because i want to remind you he was in three uva bowl films in a <laughs> row he wouldn't even look at the camera like the guy interviewing him to say tell us about the movie he's like looking at his feet and quote says i do get mad at uva he is not censored And the script supervisor comes in and says, the problems seem to come about because there are no rehearsals. And then they show us to be on set, almost to defend Purcell. They show a scene of Uva saying, do this, 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 action. And Purcell is like, huh? So he kind (laughs) of walks in and does something. And it wasn't the this, 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 the Uva Bowl. And Uva Bowl is four-letter words screaming at him. You fuck, you ruined it, blah, blah, blah. And this shot is not in the film because they only had money to do shots once. So he fucked up the take. (laughs) And that is living proof on the the behind-the-scenes featurette. Here's the thing, though. Uva Bowl is the Andy Kaufman of our age. <laughs> yeah. Is it all a big joke? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. You mm. tell... I mean, I listened to the commentary where he took phone calls. You listened to the commentary where he took phone calls in a foreign language and ordered a pizza. Is this his performance art? Is this behind-the-scenes scene? Was it all staged? Is mm-hmm. this... Like, the boxing matches with the critics. Is he really insane? Or is... I mean, Andy Kaufman boxed? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I couldn't begin to guess Uva's motivation, but the struggle is real for Purcell. I'm here to tell you, he was really, like, receiving. Like, again, behind-the-scenes featurette. They're not trying to pry into your life. Tell us a few things and smile and say you loved it. And this man is staring in his shoes and looking like he wants to pick up the gun, but knowing it's a prop and it won't kill Uva Bull. Like, he's just <laughs> sitting there fuming that he's had to live the year that he's had. And fortunately, wound up, I guess, on a, a superhero series the next year and he's on Legends of Tomorrow so he never has to work with Uva Bowl again and good for him this was his year in hell but yeah that that behind the scenes featurette recommend for that because Uva is like totally insane like he's lost all of his hair he's just sitting there eating bananas wearing House of Pain apparel like the <laughs> rap group from 30 years ago you know I've been re-watching the old TV series The Critic the character there only wears clothes that have been given to him on junkets so you see him in a uh, Shakespeare in love bathrobe <laughs> you know sliding doors underwear so that's why when you say House of Pain I'm like he he didn't buy it yeah I, it, it feels that and it, just he looks crazy and again are we being punked is this a brilliant performance art piece but he's bragging that he doesn't need Dolph he doesn't need Jason Statham because this one's got more dragon what we've all really wanted here are the five minutes of the CGI dragon and he's the real star poor Dominic Purcell is being second billed to the goddamn dragon well it is the first returning star of the film it is the same (laughs) dragon from last time no no it's a different (laughs) dragon it's definitely and again Bull owns he's like there's no moral or no philosophy to this it's just a fun ride so thank you you made my job very easy let's talk about how fucking fun this ride is should be a really short show shouldn't it (laughs) he's half right there's no moral there's no philosophy I want to see the fun. All right, let's hit the, hit us with the plot, and we'll see what we can dig up on this final mission. Much like the last film, we start in modern day, but we can no longer afford to start in Vancouver, so we start in the much cheaper Sofia, Bulgaria. And we can no longer afford Dolph Lundgren, so our movie star, if one can use such a word in this film, is Dominic Purcell, who plays a hitman named Hazen Kane. <laughs> Which sounds like an ice cream flavor. What the? Hagen does? What the fuck? I think it's supposed to be like Raisin Kane. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. All right. I don't know where you cut. Co- I said Hazen Khan, but we don't ever hear anyone say his name, right? It's spelled K A I N E. In oh, English, right. that's Kane. It's Kane. Oh, you're right. Raisin Kane. Uh, they're too smart for me. Please go on. You're, you're unearthing all these gems. Maybe I'll understand the movie by the end of this plot summary. 
Kane wants out of the killing business, but his boss, Avilo, I mean, whatever, (laughs) forces him to do one last job. Kidnap the two young daughters of the royal family. Reluctantly, Kane does the job, but he notices one of the girls has a necklace that looks like a symbol tattooed on his arm. Or a red hot chili peppers cover. Yeah, it totally looked like (laughs) Anthony Kiedis's, yeah. Kane takes the necklace and a portal opens that teleports him to a less populated area of Romania that we're supposed to believe is the ancient kingdom of Ebb. In this ancient time, Kane is attacked by a dragon, and when he shoots at the dragon with his pistol, two women mistake Kane for a wizard. They take Kane to their shaman, who reveals Kane is the chosen one to overthrow the evil King Turvon and bring peace to the land. Kane and a ragtag army of commoners go to confront the king, and the king and Kane engage in a duel. And when Kang gets the upper hand, Turvin summons the dragon, which was always under the king's control. But Kane escapes the beast and pursues Turvin to his castle, where they fight again, and Turvin is killed. But that's not the climax of the film. You'd think it would be. Mm-mm, we gotta go to modern day, right? <laughs> Kane then returns to modern day to set free the two girls he kidnapped, but the dragon comes with him into the present. And the men who hired Kane to capture the two girls now want him dead too. So Kane fights off the goons and rescues the little girls, but the dragon still flies over Bulgaria as credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. It really is. I couldn't believe we were starting in modern day again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm like, we just did this. Yeah, particularly if you see the poster, the one sheet they have for this thing is like, he is dressed up with the sword and all of that. They really give you the impression, what's his name? Raisin Kane? Raisin Kane. <laughs> like he wouldn't call him Hagen Dazs. In fact, I'm going to call him Hagen Dazs. Hagen Dazs looked like he was going to fully be the king in this. But no, Uva said in his behind-the-scenes stuff that he wanted to do what they did in the second one only better. He really loved the idea of the time travel. That was what the, was going to make it such a rich hit that he could fund his assault on Wall Street film. Yeah, so what does he do? We start off with him going to assassinate somebody we assume is important. <laughs> uh, important enough to have bodyguards guarding his single room at the Hampton Inn. <laughs> He's really important here. (laughs) Yeah. And for some reason, like, they show him dead, and then they, like, go back in time to show us how he got into, yeah, the double tree. I don't don't really understand why it's edited the way that it is, other than to elongate the idea that takes this guy a lot of hallways to finally end up in this hotel room. And then, bizarrely enough... Like, he breaks out the Keurig and makes a cup of coffee. Like, good job leaving some DNA. (laughs) Well, it's Bulgaria. I don't think they test for that there. (laughs) Yeah, they don't care. Kill whoever you want. In fact, it's fucking hostile, right? Like, just whatever. (laughs) But I did appreciate that it was a Keurig there. He made the little pot and put the lid down. I was like, you know... (laughs) It's not just modern time. It feels really modern time if he's using a coffee pot. But Justin, you make an excellent point. Why Why is all of this happening? We see him break into a safe with a magic decoding device and get cash and some something, something. What's, what's all of this leading to? Doesn't matter. Nothing about this. It's to establish the fact that haagen is a good killer. That's all that it does. <laughs> and he doesn't look like he'd be a good assassin. He looks like a goon. You know, I looked up this guy... And we did review him in Mission Impossible 2. Oh, well. He was a goon named Ulrich. And he looks perfect to be a goon. He looks like the henchman of a Bond villain or something. He does not look like the professional. Jean Reno, this guy ain't. Yeah, he does. Nothing suave, nothing sexy about him. And in fact, that's why they don't have babes around him. Like, they give him this this sad backstory. When he finally gets home, and he spends a lot of this movie, like, sulking, smoking cigarettes, and just staring at the wall. Again, because Dominic Purcell is in a deep depression about being on the <laughs> set. And they need to fill up the time with something. They don't have a script. So they just film him endlessly staring off. But at one point, he's holding a watch. And if you freeze frame, you can pause and see that it's from his love and dead wife will learn Allie. So he's killing to pay off 
the debt of of her murder or something like that. I got the sense that he was doing this for her or I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. I thought he wanted out because like he saw her and wanted to be a better man. But I am so projecting into this movie. But she was burned in a bed. Like she's dead. Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe the job cost her this alley. We can write in our own motivations. It really doesn't matter. The point is Dominic Purcell is very sad <laughs> and he is done 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 and he has to do one last mission. Hence the title Avalielo, whatever his boss is, requires him to kidnap Two little girls from a royal family of some lineage? Yeah, I had to write a plot summary for this shit. I'm like, wait, just the royal family of Bulgaria? (laughs) The Rakovskis, which I, you know, could be sitcom stars. And again, to be a royal in this environment means someone has a car with four wheels. Like, they have a driver, but there are no security people to protect them. You literally (laughs) could just pull in front of this car and slap the guy, bitch slap him, he falls over, and you got yourself two little girls. Yeah, I had no idea where this movie was going. I did not watch the trailer or anything. They're like, go kidnap these daughters. Well, I'm thinking adult daughters or teenage daughters. No, he's kidnapping grade schoolers. I'm like, where's the Staples button? Because that was easy. And you mentioned this last time about there being no tripod, but truly on this production, they had nothing. There was nobody to like hold the camera. They had to shoot. You'll notice most of this movie takes place in daylight because they couldn't afford to go into overtime. So they had hard stops at three o'clock. Everything was filmed at two in the afternoon. And it looks like this harsh afternoon sunlight, no tripod, shaky cam, just absolute crap looking production. You know instantly from this first job that it's, I don't know about haagen but this is my last assignment with this. I don't need to see no more to give my verdict. I was pretty much with you. We're still in modern times so much longer this time. At least it feels so much longer. Interminable. Than the last movie. I mean, the last movie, we started with these fights with that looked like we were in ancient times. Mm. The thing is, everything that happened in the last movie... With the sorceress coming to modern day Vancouver and the ninjas attacking Dolph Lundgren. Everything that happened in that movie served the main plot. Say what we will about that movie, and we fucking did last week. Yeah. And the plot was incoherent. I mean, they changed it as they went, so we didn't know why they did it. But everything was in service to the main plot of overthrowing King Raven and stopping his genetic warfare. Yeah. Here... We're spending all this time, Mm. the first fight and this, yes, the first fight, A, it fills time, and B, it establishes Dominic Purcell as a fighter, but none of this is in service of the story. Everything that's going to happen when he gets teleported back in time that happens way too late in this movie has nothing to do with any of this. And there's also no reason for him going back. Like in the last movie, at least it was he was the son of the previous king. And there was some dialogue to try to explain some of that. This is his wife picked out a tattoo for him in Venice years ago. And this girl has an amulet that has the same logo on it. Okay, that's why he had the tattoo. His wife picked out the design. I didn't catch that line. I'm like, usually when I get a tattoo, I know what I'm getting. I've never been somewhere and been like, you mean this green guy on my leg was in a Star Wars movie? Well, look at this guy. He looks like the wall at the tattoo shop. I mean, he's covered head to toe. I thought he was a chef. (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) At any rate, yes, in a weird sort of confluence, I think he feels bad that they're children. I think we're supposed to think that he has some guilt about putting duct tape on the mouths of 10-year-old girls and stuffing them in this metal container. Is it airtight? Are they going to, like, run out of oxygen soon? He locks them in there, and I feel like, without them ever saying so, there feels like a ticking clock of they can only be in here for so long before they'll die. Well, I think it would be a long time. I mean, when you say in a metal container, understand, it's like the back of a semi-truck. It's like a shipping container on a boat. It's a huge room. I mean, I've had apartments smaller than the shipping container, and they're two small girls. I would think they have enough air for a week. I think food, water would be much greater concerns. Yeah, well, he left them some cookies, chips, and water, which was the whole catering budget. He's like, here, this is all we got. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, it, like if it heats up and it's metal, and I feel like there's he has some guilt about getting back to them because this climax is built about him getting back and saving them and being a hero and not being the thug that sold him out for money. I feel like everything that he's going to do in Ebb is some kind of Alice in the Looking Glass teachable moment for how to be a hero so that he can be one in Bulgaria. You know, something you said about how sad Dominic Purcell was behind the scenes yes. really drives home. You know, these two girls, he kidnaps them and he beats up their driver. But while he's locking them in a container, the littler girl gives him a hug. It's like, when someone looks sad, you give them a hug to make them feel better. Maybe that girl really just felt Dominic Purcell needed a hug. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. And again, maybe in his backstory, like, you know, we know his wife died. If they had also had a daughter or something. I mean, I get it. They're children. They're cute. You're doing something awful. You know you're doing wrong when you're locking 10-year-old girls in a shipping container with chips and cookies. That's bad. That's bad parenting all around. But I feel like it's shorthand to tell us that he has guilt for what his job is and he wants to be a better person and so this magical amulet is going to take him to a world where there are two sisters who are being oppressed by someone who is played by the same actor as his boss so it feels like the stories in parallel are the same story here's the truth of this movie though it's filmed in Bulgaria, and the only actor who's not from Bulgaria seems to be Purcell. Yeah. And I didn't even notice it was the same actor playing his boss in modern time and playing this bad guy in ancient times, because everybody is this indistinct-looking, doesn't-even-deserve-a-Wikipedia-entry generic Bulgarian. And so this Wizard of Oz, like, you were there, and you, and you, I didn't even catch it. I'm just like, the extra was there, and that extra, and that extra. Yeah. Yeah, that was my question is like, it took me about halfway through the movie to realize, oh, that is the same guy. They have the same weird schmarmy body language. It's like, okay, so it's the same guy from modern times. It's playing the bad king. But was were any of his henchmen there too? Like, if they're going to go with that concept, right. commit to it. Like, have the girl with the ponytail be his right-hand man and his other ninja-kicking skinny guy be there too. It just, it was very confusing. Yeah, it's not done enough to feel... Thought out. But then again, Uva Bowl, I'm sure it was written that way. And Uva said, where are they? They're in the bathroom. We don't have time for it. Shoot, let's go. We're ending at three o'clock. Meanwhile, I'm thinking the exact opposite. The actor who's supposed to play the kings in the bathroom, screw it. Put this guy in a crown. He's now the king too. <laughs> yeah, it's the don't give a fuckness is prevalent in everyone, in every performance. And every moment on screen, you can see people that are shrugging their shoulders and just trying to get through the day, one day at a time, on an Uva Bowl hell. And the town he walks to does look so sad, you know? It's just this row of logs in that make this rickety fence, and once he gets through the fence, they're in New Salem, a log cabin? I'm not even sure. Is this the kingdom of Ebb? I, you know what? I'm. They talk a lot about a king, but I heard no names to tell me that it was Dolph or Statham, or anything. I do know this. Uva Bowl said, we're no longer referencing the video game. So there's that answer. We're not trying to do Dungeon Siege. He said something about, we're now creating our own mythology based on In the Name of the King. And I think he's fully acknowledging that he is so far away from the concept of the video game that he can do whatever he wants. Yet another reason these movies couldn't hurt the video game. They don't even have the same name as the video game. True enough. Yeah, they're not even referencing their own movies at this point, though. You know, I mean, is this, like, to Arnie's point, is this supposed to be the same land? Like, is this another man going back to help save Ebb again, like, at a different time? Yeah, it, it just gets sadder. Like, the first one, 60 million. The last one, 4 million. This one, what, a buck 50 and a case of Pepsi Max? Three I mean, and a half million. I mean, it's not that much less. And they went to Bulgaria, where that's like 100 million. I, there had to be, like, drugs being sold and other things. I Prostitution, online gambling, <laughs> something took that money and it wasn't up here on screen i will say this the one way that this might be better arnie you said it was the same dragon he went with an untested pakistani effects house called ice animation they were responsible for creating this dragon i think it looks better than king 2 like it's less goofy looking it's a little bit more scary 
it can pick up a horse and drop it, as we see here, <laughs> see here in its debut. It's definitely got more fire. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed the flame effects, but I didn't notice a dragon redesign. When we get to the dragon later, I really felt the cheapness of this dragon, and I'll discuss it. It felt like the dragon, yeah, it picked up a horse. I think that's the only thing it's going to touch the entire movie. It rips uh, uh, the top of the car off when it gets to modern-day Bulgaria. We don't see that. Yeah, well, actually, I did. I saw the the behind-the-scenes footage, and then they went, oh, it's not working. We'll just animate it. (laughs) <laughs> they cut it out because it looked bad, but they tried. Yeah, because I remember seeing it above the car, and then I remember seeing a car roof hit the ground. I do not remember seeing the dragon touch anything. Yeah, yeah. I do think the best stuff is the behind-the-scenes stuff on these DVDs. I, I'm laughing a lot more there than I am here. This sad little village where I, it's yet again the story of people that have been kicked out of their proper kingdom. That seems to be the thread. Last week... This guy killed everyone with a disease and took over the crown. And now it's the story of an uncle. An uncle who wanted to marry his niece. And when she said no, he said, okay. And he killed her father and killed half the kingdom. And now everyone that's left has to live at Loser Cottage. Hey, at least they have a castle this time, right? They, they went and rented a castle for the day that they kicked tourists out of and <laughs> put some black spots over signs. It's easier to find castles in Bulgaria than it is Vancouver. Yeah, I, I feel like that probably <laughs> was someone's house. Like, that probably was just an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some dropped plot points here, too, because, like, I never really understood outside of the fact that the uncle wanted to marry his niece and she said no, so they keep attacking or whatever, but... Almost near the end of the movie, there's a scene where he declares that he's now in charge of the dragon. And I think I saw there were some eggs sitting there. Did I miss some plot where they stole dragon eggs in order to control the dragon? You were paying more attention than I was. I didn't even see eggs. So I'm not saying they weren't there. I'm saying I don't care. Um, (laughs) so yeah i know i missed plot i know most people didn't get script pages i know there was no rehearsals i know uva bull was screaming that he'd rather be attacking wall street than being here in bulgaria so and i really do get that off dominic purcell's performance when he's trying to get on a horse it makes me think he really has never been on a horse and they're literally filming him trying to get on a horse and he keeps failing his anger is real for seven painful minutes. But yeah, the, everybody on set that day found out that Dominic Purcell has never seen a horse before. And we're going to put every excruciating moment of it on film for you to watch. Yeah, a fish out of water comedy. Again, comedy in general is not Uva's strength. And certainly medieval times period pieces, not his strength. So again, all of this is unpleasant. And what does it all mean? Again, I'll just point to the fact that there's this Ameline and Arabella who might represent the two little girls locked in the container in modern-day Bulgaria. They need help from this man in the same way that the children need help from this man. They need him to be a hero, and they're whisking him away to meet the local shaman so that he can learn about his destiny. And I I was thinking, you know, maybe they were going to play around a little bit more with this, like you said, fish out of water. Here's a modern man and this rustic land again. And, you know, right away he shoots almost all of his ammunition at the drag but they're all impressed that he has this magical weapon that can fire and he even talks about how well i can't make bullets here it's like oh well maybe that'll be one of the adventures they go on he finds some of his shells they go off to make bullets nope yeah you you would feel like he would if this is the story of a hitman who has to kill in medieval times yeah he's going to learn maybe how to ride a horse and some archery and then he's going to teach them how to like choke somebody out right (laughs) or like you know the five finger death punch or something like that the hitman shit where is his mafioso creds that's what i wanted to see here that could have been kind of funny i actually i feel like that might be a fun fish to watch out of water and i think uva doesn't want the hero of the film to ever look weak though because for some reason i know there's the repeated joke that he can't ride a horse but in his assassin training, he learned sword fighting. Oh, instantly. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You can pick up a, a sword and the sword's legendary. You are suddenly a legendary swordsman. That's amazing. <laughs> he defeats every single person who ever attacks him, no matter what they're armed with. He gets a slice in the arm, maybe, but 
He is so badass that he can go up against these warriors. Although I want to put this out there. Like, we now see what money gets you with fight choreography. Like, when you don't have money, like, these people are just like, fight. That was the direction. Fight. So Dominic Purcell, prison break and all of that. Like, most of this is, like, kicking, right? Like, he's not really swinging that sword. He's mostly, like, kind of choking people and kneeing them in the balls. And other people like they're scratching and like all of the fighting feels very contemporary and improvised. Okay, this is how I would fight if I were being mugged in an alley and not because I live in the ancient kingdom of Ebb. More, the camera is shaking so bad Mm. and it's cutting so quickly. I can't even tell how they're fighting or what they're fighting. All I know is it's supposed to be adrenalizing and I'm having trouble paying attention. Yeah, no, it was just causing motion sickness in me. I mean, it got so bad that, like, I had to, like, you know, stop for a few minutes and rub my eyes. Because it it was, it's shaky beyond explanation. Yeah, Uva's comment on this was, it was better off having less money because it makes it harsher and it really, quote, hits the mark. So I guess his intention was that this would be the one to be brutal and hard on the audience to look at. He's not wrong about that. This movie is ugly and god-awful to follow, both in its plotting and just in its cutting. I didn't understand the basic plot here. I was trying to follow why these two girls saw him with a gun that did not slay the dragon, I want to point out. It would be one thing if his pistol took down a dragon and you think he's this big hero. But no, he just, to use the Army of Darkness term, had a boomstick, and that convinces them to take them to, I guess, the shaman or the homeless guy who's begging for money on the corner. I do not know who this guy with the hipster beard was, the close trim that they go to and the tattoo on his forehead. I'm really struggling to figure out what these two girls are because I thought there'd be a love triangle. Well, here's where I thought they were going. I'll just share. If I were asked to show up on set for one day and try to help, and I couldn't just kill Uva, (laughs) I had to actually contribute to the story, I would say that you're trying, I think to tell some kind of Terminator. Everyone keeps making the comment that he has this tattoo on his arm that looks exactly like this magic medallion that opens portals and is connected with goodness and all of that. So obviously, he has to be this girl's father, right? Like, if their father had this tattoo and he has this tattoo, he's coming from the future, but he's also their father and it's going to be some kind of time twist thing, right? Hmm. But I don't think that ever gets laid out. Like, if he had gotten this neck from his wife if this were instead of the grieving over the engraved watch this was her necklace and he was actually her great-grandfather or something i don't know this is all that i could think of before i decided i didn't really want to work on this movie and help hagen and so i just stopped but that's what i thought maybe they were trying to half-ass do well i'm glad he wasn't the grandfather of his wife well no they could have done something weird i mean again this is a story about a man that wants to marry his niece so incest is baked into the cake they're playing into that and when we see that guy yes he's the same mobster as the guy in the future but he's talking in a way that almost feels like He's doing a Dolph Lundgren impersonation. Did you get the sense that he was trying to be Drago? I didn't. <laughs> I, I think he was just doing his best to just speak English without <laughs> oh, too many okay. broken consonants. All right. You might be right. I might be overthinking this. He may just not know the language. <laughs> I mean, again, that's what I was taking out of all of these people was the thick Bulgarian accents. Yeah. They're not understandable. Stuart, to your point, I think I was trying to help the movie out a little bit, too, because I was assuming, okay, what we saw in the last one was Dolph Lundgren was end up being related to the previous king, and that's why he was there. I thought maybe now that Kane was coming back, and we had a mention before of these girls and royalty in modern day, maybe we could find out that he is another descendant of the king from the time, and these girls that he just kidnapped are descendants of his way down the line that might be what turned him around but like none of this makes any sense like that would have been set up in the future like the beginning of the movie he should have been a cold-hearted killer that was still in it doing this job this happens and he learns a lesson and learns the errors of his ways and goes back and saves these girls but the setup all the way through this movie it's just things happening because reasons i'm gonna hold to the fact look the guy that wrote the screenplay has never worked before or since 
We will never know if he is a genius that was put upon by Bowl or someone that didn't give a fuck either and just wrote whatever came to his head. But I'm going to argue that if the modern day girls are Sophie and Alice, the fact that there's Emmeline and Arabella, just the way that the vowels repeat and all, I do feel like they may be the direct descendants or like they, they're connected in some way by having that necklace. There's some kind of tether, and he should have been able to do something in the past that helped him out when he got back to the future. You're right. Okay, it just clicked for me. Because it was modern day, and I was watching a wannabe Guy Ritchie film for 20 minutes, I didn't think that the royal family would be related to the king of old. Yeah, they (laughs) they are in some way, but again, it's so abstract. Don't kick yourself for not getting it, because it's barely there, but... You do something with it. You take the time. If you're not Uva Bowl, you slow things down and you take the time to figure out how that story could be told. Don't slow things down. This movie is so fucking slow. Oh, no, no. I don't mean slow the movie down. I mean slow down the work so that you can understand the story you're telling. And the thing about Uva Bowl that everyone will tell you is it's one and done. We do one take. We got to be done at three. I've got to go walk my dogs and eat my cake. And I don't give a fuck about this film anyway. And so by not having your director giving any clear direction, it just falls apart. And all of these ideas that could grow into a flower just die on the vine. When I watched this movie, the next day I decided I'll write my plot summary. And I thought about this movie and I'm like, do I need to rewatch it? Because I couldn't remember a plot. Mm. I feel like, I know he's a hitman in modern times and he kidnaps some girls and then he goes back in time and meets two other girls and goes to a shaman. There's an evil king uncle dude who's bad for reasons. There's also like a nice uncle. Like I don't, Tybalt is like, I don't know what his problem is and why he's hanging in the background, but there's the nice guy that's kind of sitting around and giving inspirational speeches every now and then. Oh, the David Byrne looking guy? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I was like, do I need to rewatch it? I forgot the plot. No, I got everything. Nothing fucking happens. This is an 80-minute movie, but it takes so long to get through it because you're watching these scenes and, like, we're seeing King Turvin and he's wearing, like, a reject Batman cape and executing somebody in a poorly lit dungeon and nothing is progressing a story forward. Things just happen on screen, and it does feel like they didn't even have enough story to fill 80 minutes, and so they have these people out there vamping. Well, let me get meta on you. If this was framed with the main character being Uva Bowl, he's saying, I want to go be done with this. I want to go tell other stories. No, you have to do one more Dungeon Siege movie and either to pay for that dream. He's as enthused to tell this story as Dominic Purcell is to put those girls in the container. Like, he doesn't want to do it. He feels gross. He doesn't care. And so, who is going to care? if not the director of this movie, the man that has been pushing for a sequel to a movie that's a sequel to a movie that no one ever wanted based on a game that no one played. The existential meaninglessness of it all is so deep, I don't know how you begin to crawl out of that pit. It's as deep as that bathtub in Dolph's house from the last movie. It is endless. I don't know how anyone begins to care. And so you're watching a lot of depressed Bulgarians just shuffling through the motions, trying to please a director that doesn't even want to be there. The ennui you describe makes me think the best thing there is autoerotic asphyxiation and just calling an end to it. Or making a porno. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like they might have been game for that. These are some <laughs> attractive people. Like they could have they could have made something out of this moment, but an in the name of the king three, this is not. In some places, it feels like somebody cared a little bit more, or maybe just being in Bulgaria gives them access to some little bit more photogenic areas. I mean, they are in some cave areas at times. They end up in forests again. But this time, I swear, we saw like three separate battles in this stand of trees that I could swear that I saw an apartment building just beyond (laughs) where all the action was taking place. Uh, You know what? You were looking harder than me. I give you credit for looking up at the screen. It was hard to, I'll admit. I didn't want to watch this. But yes, there's some generic forest battle that seemed prophesied by this shaman guy. Like, he seemed to feel like the hitman was going to come and liberate them through this battle. 
But in the end, the battle doesn't happen here. Like, the dragon interrupts it, and they have to go back to the castle to finish up. And I couldn't believe we were fighting that battle so quickly, and then it was over because the dragon shows up, and I don't even know where the dragon went that Dominic Purcell ends up back at the castle and is like, we didn't finish our duel because I'm a master swordsman because I use that skill all the time in 21st century Bulgaria. Yeah, again, he should have been more hitman. It should have been, you know, he's partner. They give him this love interest. It's one of the girls. I don't remember which. I think it's Arabella. Partner with her that, like, I feel like, again, they're going to have a kid together that's going to grow to be whoever or, you know, he's going to become the king. I thought the same thing with Dolph. This would end with Dominic Purcell with a crown on his head. Yeah, I mean, I think they'd show that on the poster. But, you know, the point is, if she knows the sword fighting, and she's decent, I feel like she's good enough, you know, between the cutting. She's better than in anyone else on this screen, cut, hacking and uh, away with the sword. Have her be the medieval fighter and have him doing it modern style and, yeah, bringing his Goomba heavy shtick to it. And you, would, you wouldn't have a good movie. Let's be clear. You wouldn't wouldn't be worth anything, but it might be a bad taste brown arrow. As is, this is just a bunch of outtakes that have been pasted together and called a feature. I mean, the shock of this is, is this thing just comes shambling to some kind of clothes after a bunch of people get gutted and kicked by people that can't swing swords. And I think one of the most frustrating things is after sitting through three of these, like they keep putting things on screen that you would think the reason they're doing it is because it ties to something else in the lore of these films you know like they make a big deal about and this was our father's sword yeah who is your father did he do anything no here you go have the sword again he's got to be the father right he has the tattoo of their father he now has the father's sword did they know their father like i'm not sure it was only five years ago that he got killed and they're at least 30 so right so they had to know their father they had to, i don't know they fucked up Somebody (laughs) fucked up. This shouldn't have been that hard to set up the idea that he came from the future to sire this kingdom and save it and then take the dragon back with him for a climax in modern day. Like, which is a fun idea. I feel like the best action this movie has to offer is when he actually gets back and the dragon is flying around on churches and he has to carjack and escape. Not just churches. Did you guys recognize that location? Uh Nah, we've been here before. Oh, this is where the climax of Hitman takes place is in that same cathedral. Oh, I remember there was. Yeah, he was up in the belfry shooting down at people at a funeral, I think. Mm hmm. That, that was my most exciting cameo. Wow, Justin, you remember so much more about that than I do. <laughs> I feel shamed because you're clearly paying attention. You're like, what about the eggs? What about the thing in the background? I'm like, oh, right. I was like trying to hold my eyelids open. I was paying attention. I missed the a couple of these things. But you know what I did notice is the dragon touches nothing. It doesn't. It flies past a building and I think a couple rocks fall. Somebody threw them out a window as the dragon CGI went past but i swear to god it goes over buildings and over light poles i want to see a dragon in modern day i want to see it blow some shit up i want to see it burn some shit it flies through power cords it does not fly over the power cords or under the power cords and no i'm not saying it tears through the power cords i'm saying they didn't care enough to not have the dragon just fly through power cores and act like nothing happened. And yet I'm still rooting for this Pakistani animation company that somehow got... they never been offered a gig like this. They couldn't do it, and yet somehow they were going to try. That They have more passion than anybody on screen. I will say that. And there are a few, like, almost okay shots here. They do have one dolly where he's running and the dragon is chasing him. And I feel like some of this, at its best moment, it feels like a fairly credible, sweeted recreation of the end of Golden Child. <laughs> My jaw hits the floor that Dominic Purcell gets back to modern day with the dragon and there's still 15 more minutes of movie left. But that's what I'm saying is the best stuff, Arnie. This is the climax. This is, I would rather be watching this really for the whole movie. If they had never gone to Ebb and just got a dragon in modern day, even at this effects level, better film than everything that happens in the past. I would be good with this. You know, call it in the name of the King 3. What King? This guy's name is Roger King. He's an assassin. Yeah, he talks too. (laughs) Maybe raps, you know, like because they're so behind the time, like that would seem fresh. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, 
it's the best fighting. It's, you know, I think Dominic Purcell can actually do some stunt work. He's big enough. Oh, yeah. No, clearly he can run and he can, he's breaking people's necks. and Again, acting like a goon. Yeah, he's using his knee and, like, kneeing people in their chest and knocking them out. But why do I care about these goons that are attacking him other than I'm supposedly rooting for Dominic Purcell because he's the star? You're rooting for a man not to sell children to a mobster that is going to kill... I thought he was just going to extort the father for money, but this climax ends with them holding a gun to the children's head. So maybe he was just going to kill them after collecting the ransom. But he could have killed them at any time. I thought he was only killing them as a way to stop Dominic Purcell from beating him up. I mean, we could write it any way you want. We care more than the people making it. We're trying to make this make sense when it clearly has no reason to exist. I don't know. I laugh at the idea that, okay, he saves the girls, gives back the medallion, drives them back to the compound that's the royal family, right? And the dad is just there being like, oh, that's fine. Thanks for bringing them home. Ta-ta. <laughs> no harm, no foul. Yeah, I'm not worried that, you know, you're a fucking hitman kidnapper that tried to hit me up for $2 million. And then we get this, like, long shot of Dominic Purcell walking away from that house, He's just walking down the middle of the road for no reason. Right. There are plenty of sidewalks, large, wide sidewalks for miles. And he's going to walk right in the middle of that cobblestone road (laughs) while the dragon is flying in the distance. Open a portal and get me out of here. Yep. Done. Let's do it. Justin Stewart, how strongly don't you recommend in the name of the King three, the last mission? Justin. This one's extra frustrating. Like, last week's was a big pile of dog shit that we stepped in. We knew there was another pile coming up, and we jumped in it with both feet. But this one frustrates me because they could have taken this same movie, recut it into something that at least is somewhat more interesting. They're just basically trying to do the same thing they did last week with new actors and a different budget. So there's nothing new happening here. It's just more confusing and less tied together. We talked about it a little bit. If these girls in the container would have represented a prophecy that his modern day boss knew about. And that's the reason why he took them is to stop them from fulfilling this prophecy of bringing somebody back from Ebb in the olden days that could actually end his life and his reign here in modern times. That might have made some sense. But no, it was just a random guy wanted some kids kidnapped for reasons. And for whatever reason, this other guy gets sent back to Ebb and has a couple battles. But for whatever reason, he ends up fighting the same guy that he works with in modern times. But we're not going to talk about that. It's all just a bunch of, it's a bunch of Uva Bowl. And you know what? I'm done talking about it. I'm putting as much effort into my not recommend as he put into this movie. So big stinking red arrow. Stuart. Yeah, you know, I had a, I had a premise when we watched Postal that I thought Uva was at his best when he had something on screen to focus his anger on. He's an angry guy, and if he can find something that he's mad about, he can be better. I thought Postal was his best film for that reason. He had a lot of targets to fire at. He had no passion for zombies, didn't give no shits about orcs, but yeah, here here's a hitman that's being financially fucked, and he wants to tell this Wall Street story. This really is a character that he could work through and speak truth to power And yeah, it didn't need to be an In the Name of the King movie, but I felt like there was an opportunity for him to do his thing. And the truth of the matter is, it's the anger that undoes this movie. This movie is so unfocused. It is literally like watching a bunch of depressed filmmakers just sit around and wonder why they have to show up on set. Like, they have no purpose. The man telling him, ordering them, screaming at them to be here has no clue what they're doing either. And it's just, it's the kind of emptiness that typifies the very worst films we've ever covered. When I think about the absolute dregs, Tekken 2, Mangler 3, movies where people sat and stared at the wall for 50, 60 minutes waiting for something to happen. This is Uva scraping the bottom of his bowl. This is him at his worst. This is at him at his most meaningless. And again, that Wall Street movie, I watched that and there's no redemption in seeing that final product. It is absolutely the end of a punchline. Uva Bowl was a joke from the 2000s. He was become meaningless in 2014. So let's show him the door. Sometimes it's hard to watch now playing movies. And I don't just mean sitting through them like this one. 
I mean, sometimes they're difficult to find. Like in the name of the king, one we had to kind of work hard to find that. It wasn't readily available in streaming. And you know what I had to do to get in the name of the king one was I went to Amazon and I bought the three pack, mm. and it had all three movies in it. So I'm like, all right, I got this taken care of. Even though two and three are out there on streaming, I have all three on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray pack arrives. It's snapped in half. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that sucks. But you know what? It's just the case. The discs are okay. <laughs> what, they commit suicide? They jump out a window? <laughs> so the night before we're recording this, I go to watch In the Name of the King 3. Not only was the thing cracked in half, the movie was missing. <laughs> I didn't have the movie. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? The fates were trying to tell me. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't even be that hard to read the tea leaves here. I mean, it's <laughs> in the name of the King 3. Right. But I knew I was getting into some shit. Yeah. But the forces around me <laughs> right. tried to stop me. Mm-hmm. So not only did I buy this three pack of movies, mm-hmm. but then I had to pay for an iTunes rental because I was in the 11th hour and had to watch the shit. Well, now you're making me think this is Bull's <laughs> master plan. Like, how do I get him? Leave out the third disc and make him buy it again. Ah, but I'm returning the t- disc set to Amazon because it was defective. <laughs> <laughs> It was cracked. Absolutely. You didn't include the one. Get rid of that. Yes. Get your money back. Exactly. Oh, I'm so, that makes me happy. I'm glad to end on a happy feeling because I have felt really poor this whole stretch of film. Needless to say, all of my effort to watch this movie did not result in a, wow, I'm glad I went through that work. Mm. It's a not recommend. Yeah, it's worse. Can we agree, like, in ranking, obviously it's one, two, three, each one got worse. But I think hitting this third, you are watching someone that's at the very end. Like, Uva Bowl won't make many more films beyond this. No one's going to give him any more money. You are literally watching someone expire, just die creatively in front of you in this film. It is death incarnate. It felt like a hostage situation, to be honest with you. Like, mm. The reason we're in Bulgaria is because the people he owes money to are overwatching every scene being shot, making sure he's actually making a movie. Yeah, I agreed. What could be worse? Arnie, you seem hesitant. What, in your mind, feels like it could even approach this awfulness? It's definitely the worst one he directed. Yeah. I don't want to watch it again to find out. Okay. Alone in the Dark 2 was really close, and he produced that. Oh, you're right. That one was that was the one where all of it took place in a bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> it was awful. I can tell you that. You're right. It was so close to this that I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to think about it. That's the thing is, I mean, I took a flamethrower to that one. Yeah. I can't take a flamethrower to this one because I'd be burning my computer. <laughs> well, you don't even have it. <laughs> well, I mean, I rented it. I'd have to burn the computer. Yeah where I downloaded the rental. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if only there was a... De- you know what it is? The fucker that bought it last time that returned it fucking melted that disc. That's why there was no In the Name of the King 3 and the 3 pack. He was like, no, no, I'm going to enjoy this. All right, but at least next week we get a reprieve from our Ubola here. <laughs> yes, we're done with this, but as sick as this movie may make me, It isn't as sick as Corona would make me, and that's why movies aren't coming out this summer. You know, originally, this past weekend, our review of A Quiet Place 2 was supposed to come out, and next week, we were supposed to be reviewing The New Mutants, and none of that has happened or is happening. So, we are rolling with the changes For the next several weeks, we are going to be doing a viral outbreak series looking at movies about epidemics, pandemics, plagues, one per decade from the 50s through the teens. Next week, we started off with Panic in the Streets, a 1950s film with Jack Palance. And as for what comes after that, I mean, they just announced Morbius isn't coming out. That seems like it could go direct to streaming. Ghostbusters Afterlife is moving on. So what are we going to review? Well, we're looking to you, listeners. Tell us what you'd like us to review. A lot of times we get requests for series and we are very busy doing other series. It's like, well, we can't do Alien because we're doing 
Avengers, and then Alien went to the Donation series, and we usually are in the midst of building up to a theatrical release, but there's no theatrical releases on the horizon, so let us know what you'd like us to review. Come to Facebook, come to Twitter, email us at show at nowplayingpodcast.com. We're looking to see what the most people would want to hear from us. And the only thing I'll say is we're probably not going to do Harry Potter because someday they'll do the Fantastic Beast series and we'd like to hold off for the culmination of that. But other than Harry Potter, pretty much anything's fair game. So let us know what you think. Meanwhile, this Friday, since we aren't covering Bird Box, we're continuing our Tom Cruise Gold Level donation series, All the Right Moves. Risky Business Review came out last Friday. If I can say so, I think it's a really good show. I hope you've listened to it or are able to listen to it. And this Friday, I haven't seen this film yet. It's Tom Cruise as a high school football player with Leah Thompson and playing, of course, the coach, Craig T. Nelson. Right now, the show could really use listener support as things get rough all across the country. We are not exempt from that. And if you're able to donate, if you have the means, we greatly appreciate it. And if you don't, if you're finding yourself in a situation like some of us are here at Now Playing, we understand completely and we thank you just for listening to the show on the main feed. But if you do have the ability to support our show and want to support our show, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate and find out how you can get all of these bonus shows. It's pretty much an extra show per week, most weeks, all summer long. So, Justin, Stuart, thank you for undergoing this painful mission with me. And until next time, game over. We did it. Will I ever see you again? What is it you said? Perhaps in my dreams tonight. Perhaps another time. Perhaps another time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. (laughs) You have won nothing but time. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. You have killed these! I will simply beckon more! Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Do you sometimes long for something more? Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Your king needs you. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Does it occur to you, farmer, that there may be events of greater importance than the loves and losses of our particular lives? Nah. Doesn't occur to me. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Your king needs you far more than he understands. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Well, that saved us a lot of time. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Make it happen. You wish to accelerate things? Fine! We shall accelerate. 
You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. The King's army will require every man capable of combat. Who is with us? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I cannot stand the suffering rule of that senile goat. Associate produced by Jason Latham. I have friends. I wield influence. Now Playing is edited by Stephen and Arnie. My mom always told me when someone looks at, you should give them a hook. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I was just talking. Just talking. Well, everyone's got a talent. Just talking seems to be yours. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I only know what you tell me, and you tell me nothing. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Unless the king specifically orders it, you cannot touch me. Imperial law. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. What manner of vengeance are you enjoying, farmer? The vengeance of a father? The vengeance of a husband? Or the vengeance of a king? Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. For king! For country! Fortunately, wound up, I guess, on a, a superhero series the next year, and we'll never have to work with Uva again. Legends of... Legend... Oh, yeah. What is that one called? I Justin? don't remember. It's not Legend of the Superhero, because that's like the TV Yeah, one. that was the that was the Uva Bowl 70s superhero <laughs> show. Legends of Tomorrow. You're watching these scenes, and like we're seeing King Turvis, Turval, what is it? I don't know. Again, all these names. Gerbil, Turbo, whatever. Turvis is a company that Weeble. makes drinks, drink glasses. So, uh... Turvin. Turvin. You see this King Turvin? We're hoping. As of this recording, they have not shut down the movie theaters. And if that's still the case, we get to go see New Mutants, which is the X-Men answer to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, from what I hear. Um, I look forward to all of it, if we can do it, because Bond left already. We know we can't do that film, and boy, that pisses me off. You know, I'm just hoping by the time this show comes out, this is a blooper, and we're all laughing. Ha ha, remember when we thought coronavirus was going to close movie theaters? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish.